My name is Colin Ferfelli. Today our first Bible verse will be Genesis 1-1. In, in the beginning, God made the heavens and earth. Hey Grace242. Over the winter, my family finally got sick of our old 37-inch Samsung TV from 2009. It had a loud electrical buzz to it, and sometimes you'd turn the TV on and the sound wouldn't work, and one of the HDMI inputs no longer worked either. So I did what I do when it comes to any larger purchase like this, and I revved up the research machine and found the exact panel that I wanted. And so we purchased our new TV, and it, like all, TVs nowadays, it runs its own operating system, which is Roku, and so this is the first Roku device we've ever owned. And Roku TV gives you access to a bunch of free streaming channels, and one of those streaming channels runs a show called Tiny House Nation. Tiny House Nation is one of these home shows where they follow usually a newly married couple who want to live in a tiny house. Now because it's a tiny house, space is at a premium. So before the hosts of the show even set to work on building the tiny house, they ask one big all-important question. How do you want to use your space? They ask the couple how they anticipate using the space that they're about to move into. Tiny House Nation as a show pays far more attention to the function of the home as opposed to the materials used in the construction. For instance, there was this one couple who were wedding photographers, so they had lots of expensive camera equipment. So the builders constructed this hidden cabinet where the camera equipment could be stored for safekeeping. Now, the couple could say two things about that cabinet and both would be true. They could talk about the materials used to construct the cabinet. They could say, this cabinet has hinges, it's made out of wood, and they used latex paint on it. But that's not what the show, most of the viewers, or the couple moving into the tiny house really care about. They care about how the cabinet will be used. The hosts demoed the cabinet for the couple, showing them how it stored and organized all their equipment. The cabinet was a secret panel to keep the equipment hidden and secured away. Also, if the house is on the road being transported, the cabinet keeps the equipment from getting damaged. And so in this couple's case, there is a material story to be told about the cabinet, and there's a functional story to be told about the cabinet. And by and large, the show Tiny House Nation cares more about the functional story. They care more about how this couple will use this space as their home than they do about a material story. And the same goes for creation in Genesis 1. For much of my life, I read Genesis 1 as a material story. I read Genesis 1 as if it were the account of God taking all these different materials and constructing the universe. But in my later life, something really unlocked the creation story for me. As a Bible studier, as a Bible reader, as a believer in God, as a follower of Jesus. And that was, Genesis 1 was unlocked for me when I came to understand that the biblical authors present Genesis 1 as less of a material story and more of a functional home story. Genesis 1 was really unlocked for me when I came to understand that the biblical authors want us to see Genesis 1 as the story of God creating a functional home for himself. They want us to see the creation story as God creating the universe as a temple home for both him and humans, a functional home for him and humans to live in. Now, you've heard me talk about this universe being constructed by God as a temple home for God and humans before. 
In fact, we just talked about it last week at the close of our Exodus series. And so this week we're beginning a new series for the summer that I am calling Sunday School Summer. Because this summer we're gonna be looking at classic Bible stories that many of us learned in Sunday School. And today we're starting with the classic Bible story of creation. Now in Sunday School, kids learn about the creation story. After all, it is the first story in the Bible. And then in Sunday School, not long after the creation story, many kids learn about the fall and sin. And one of the terrific questions that I've heard kids ask then, after they learn about sin is, well, if humanity sinned, then why did God create the world and the universe in the first place? It's a terrific question. And one of the answers to that question is, God wanted to create a home. He created this universe as a home, both for himself and for humanity that we can share together. But just like Tiny House Nation is less of a construction story and more of a home story, Genesis 1 is less about the materials that God uses to construct the universe and more about God ordering this universe into a functioning home for both himself and for humans. And as we see God order this functional universe home for himself and for humans, we're gonna look at the days today of creation. And we're gonna see that days one through three install functions within these ordered spheres. And then days four through six install functionaries within those ordered spheres. Look with me at Genesis chapter one, at day one of creation, and we're gonna read verses three to five. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. On day one, God orders light and darkness into this thing called time. And so on day one, God is creating time out of the order that he brings to this universe. Have you ever wondered in day one, how can there be light before God created the sun? Well, that's because this is less about God using the physical materials of the burning spherical ball called the sun and more about his ordering function of creating this thing called time. Verse 3 says, God separated the light from the darkness. So God is ordering light and darkness for the purpose of verse 5, which says, God called the light day and the darkness night, and evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. God separated light and darkness to bring order to this thing called time, which is marked off by day and night, morning and evening. Now let's look at day two and we'll read Genesis 1 verse six. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. In day one, we see God ordering time by separating light from darkness. And in day two, we see God ordering again. And this time he is separating the waters below from the waters above. Now, what does the Bible mean when it says separating the waters from the earth from the waters of the heavens? I mean, we might have an idea of what the waters of the earth is, but what are the waters of the heavens? What's water in the sky mean? Well, to understand that, we have to take a step back into the world of the biblical authors, into this time period and this place called the ancient Near East, which is when Genesis was written. In the ancient world, water meant everything. Water was life. Too much water and the crops for food are drowned. Too little water and the crops can't grow. And so you have no food. And so we need water for the crops in order to live and have food to eat. The biblical authors knew it was God who sent the rain. 
The biblical authors knew then that it was God who released the waters in the heavens in order to water the land and have the crops grow. They imagined waters in the heavens as this water store that God had available to himself that he would release in appropriate amounts as rain to the earth. And so in day two, the statement that the biblical authors are making is God created the weather. It's God who controls the weather. And so in day one, we get this ordering and God creates time by separating light from darkness. And in day two, we get this ordering because God is separating water below from water above and God is creating this thing called weather. Now let's have a look at day three and let's read Genesis 1 verses 11 to 12. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed bearing plant and trees that grow seed bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came, and that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. Here in day three, we get ordering by separation again. God is separating land from water. But again, what are the biblical authors concerned with? They're concerned with function. So what does the land do? The land produces seed-bearing fruit. The land produces food. And so what is the function that is created out of day three? It is food. It is sustenance. Now before we move to the latter three days, let's recap the days so far. On day one, we see God ordering. We see him separating darkness from light in order to create this function called time. And then on day two, we see God's ordering again. He separates waters below from waters above in order to create this function we call weather. And then on day three, we see God ordering again. He separates the land from the water. And what is the function of the land? It produces food. And so day one, we get the function of time. Day two, we get the function of weather. And day three, we get the function of food. Just take a step back here and do you see how the biblical authors are less concerned about the material construction of creation? And they are more concerned with the functional ordered home that God is building both for himself and for humans to share. And we might even see, isn't this amazing how much God cares for humanity that he is building a home that's not only suitable for him, but it's suitable for him to share with humans because we have a lot more needs than God does. And so he takes care to structure our lives and structure our time by creating this function called time that's ordered by light and dark, morning and evening, day and night. And then he creates this thing called weather for us so that we have rain for our crops to go grow. And then also on top of that, he creates this food production function for us because we need food in order to live. The biblical authors are telling an ordered function home story. They're not that interested in talking about the materials of how the universe was constructed, but they are very interested in telling us how God is ordering this universe into a functioning home for himself. Now that we have days one through three, we're gonna look at days four through six. And what we're gonna see in days four through six is God is going to go back into these functions, these spheres that he's already set up, and he's going to install functionaries within those functions. Let's look at day four, and we're gonna read Genesis 1, verses 14 through 18. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth, and that is what happened. 
God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. In day four, God places the sun, the moon, and the stars in their place. But what is their function? Well, look at verse 14. Their job is to mark seasons, days, and years. Their job is to govern the day and the night, like verse 15 says. So on day one, the authors train their camera on outer space. We see God ordering this thing called time by separating darkness and light. And then on day four, we return to outer space to see God place these functionaries, to place the sun, moon, and the stars. And what is the function of those celestial bodies? Their function is to mark off seasons, years, time periods. On day one, God creates the ordered function. And on day four, God installs the functionary. Now let's look at day five, and we're going to read Genesis 1.20. And as we do, remember that on day two, the biblical authors trained their cameras on the heavens and the waters below, and we see God ordering weather by separating water below from water above. And now let's see the functionary that God installs in that space. Let's look at Genesis 1 verse 20. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So we have God placing fish in the sea and birds in the sky. And now what's their function? Look at Genesis 1 verse 22. Then God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. So their function is to be fruitful and multiply. Now there's something really cool in verse 21. The biblical author says, God created great sea creatures. Now, in order to understand why the biblical author mentions the great sea creatures, we have to step back into the world of the biblical authors, a world called the ancient Near East. The ancient Near East refers to both the geography of and the time period of the writing of Genesis 1. Genesis 1 comes to us from the time period of the ancient Near East. And many cultures in the ancient Near East had belief in mythical sea creatures. And these creatures existed outside of the created order. And because they lived outside of the created order, they were agents of chaos, enemies who had to be conquered and subdued. These sea creatures were adversaries who threatened the order and harmony of life. By mentioning the great sea creatures, the biblical authors are saying, God is the one who created them. On the contrary to what the popular belief is, God created these things and they exist within his ordered system of creation. God is the one who has authority of them. They are beholden to God's authority just like all of God's creation. Now we'll return to the land and let's read Genesis 1:24 to see what the Lord places there. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground and wild animals. And that is what happened. And so on day six, we return to the land and we see God installing animals upon the land and their job is to reproduce. And now God is going to cap off creation with his crowning achievement. Let's look at Genesis 1, 27 to 28. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So God installs humanity 
on the land. And like the animals, their job is to reproduce, but humans also have a special function that is distinct from the rest of creation. And their job is to reflect and to reign. They reflect God by imaging Him to the rest of creation, and they reign on behalf of God, extending God's rule and reign over the globe. I know this is a lot. We just covered six days of creation, so let's put this all together. On day one, we see God creating time through this ordering, through this separating of darkness and light. And then on day four, we return to that same scene where we see God installing the sun and the moon and the stars that will govern time and order it into days, seasons, and years. And then on day two, we see God separating the waters from the earth, from the waters in the heavens, and we see God creating the function of weather. And then on day five, we return to that same scene where God installs fish in the sea and birds in the air, and their job is to reproduce and multiply. And then on day three, we see God separating the land from the water, and on that land, He's producing plants that produce food. And then on day six, we see God installing animals on the land, and their job is to reproduce, and then He installs His crowning achievement, humans on the land, and their job is to reproduce and reflect God and extend God's reign over this earth. Tiny House Nation is a show that tells the story of how a tiny house becomes a home. And similarly, Genesis 1, the creation story, is a story of how God designed this universe and ordered this universe as a functioning home, both for Himself and in His grace and love, also for us as humans. Next week, we're going to return to creation, and we're going to look at what does this mean for us? What does it mean to understand that Genesis 1 is a home story? What does it mean for us as Bible readers and for people who go to the Bible to see who God is? What does it show us about who God is when we understand that Genesis 1, that the creation story, is less of a material story and more of a story about how God is ordering this universe into a functioning home, both for Himself and for His humans? All right, Grace 242, I'll see you next time.